0: On today's episode of A Sides, we'd like to welcome our special guest, Denny Smith of The Great Affairs. Denny's Man. been a longtime friend of the program and has made multiple appearances.
1: Look, it's rock and roll
0: and cue music.
2: got some notes, like I said, about the album. got mm-hmm. questions about that. But then I've got some oh, I've other got questions. I've got a copy right here
0: just so I, in case I have to refer to it. So
2: I also have some questions that I want to ask you personally. Because usually we're always talking about, you know, docking or uh, warrant or, or whatever, but we never talk about you. Because nobody cares
0: about me. Oh, well, I do. I don't have any multi platinum albums, so oh. I'll do my uh, best.
2: Sleepwalker, it just dropped on the 13th. And it was 10 awesome
0: tracks. Well, there's actually 11 if you buy the uh, the CD or get the streaming version. Oh,
2: man, I got to redo this because I did get the CD version, but I'm a little bit bummed out. Usually you got liner notes and stuff, but this one just was a dinky piece of paper.
0: Well, uh, let me explain why we did that. Because pressing hundreds of copies of vinyl is fucking expensive, man. It so into you cut into your budget. You got to cut corners somewhere. Yeah. So, somebody's going to pay, and everybody wanted vinyl, and nobody cares about CDs anymore. So, which way do you go when you have to make the cuts? Like, well, we're going to spend all this money on the vinyl, and get some little goodies to throw in and stuff, and we're going to go light on the CD for lack of—I don't want to say—we're ch- going to chintz on the CD, yeah. and it's just have it because I hate to say this, man, but it's a lot of people don't even. One, most people don't have CD players in their cars anymore, which, you know, that's fine, whatever technology the world continues to turn everything, but do people even read liner notes anymore? I do. Yeah. I mean, I got to get my magnifying glass out to do it most of the time, but I mean, <laughs> it's a bummer, man. It's, I would love to have every format possible out there and have them all be deluxe packaging and stuff, but also, in just in the interest of being completely candid, I'm the guy that gets saddled with doing all that artwork and stuff. And it was hard enough doing it in multiple formats because it had to be done different for every single thing because all the art has to be resized and, you know, the credits are different on each. And, man, I was just tired by the time I got done. So I'll just shoot straight. It's a pain in the ass getting all this stuff done when you're a DIY operation. So I did the best I could. I put a lot of photos in there. And And I guess to your credit,
2: though, too, you put together a really cool thing in the, um, what's that, the press kit where you did each... Little write up on each song, and there is a quote from everybody in the band.
0: Yeah, yeah. Each
2: page of a PDF, and then you did your um, usual artwork, right? Where each uh, song the single a single, art. single yeah. cover.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah. you have to you just have to be in the circle or uh, work in the press or radio, and you can get all that stuff too. So I did do extra stuff. It's just not included in the physical versions of the album. That's all. I do like how you do those single cover art. Yeah, it can be fun sometimes. Other times it's like, I don't know, I can't find anything to associate with with the song itself. And it gets kind of tricky trying to put, you know, those are usually composites of things that I put together. But Kenny's are always really easy because they've got a a really easy storyline for me to follow. Mine, I I never know what the hell I'm talking about on those songs. (laughs) I'm not really sure what what should go with them. But uh, yeah, his is always, you know, cars and girls and fights and stuff and that those are easy to find good images for
2: usually find those is it like a getty image or like clip art stuff you know, a lot of it is like i scour different. the internet and
0: i chop stuff up and you know i just those are usually pieces of things put together that you know they're not just images that are composites of various things that turned into one thing
2: i don't know if you're going for this but sometimes speaking of the cars and the fights the style it looks like what are those those blaxploitation movie posters or something from the 70s
0: i love that stuff well cool is that Thank what you. you're going for I don't know what I'm going for, man. I, I have no idea. I'm just trying to. If something catches my eye and it, I think it looks cool, and sometimes you don't know until you drop the song title in there, if it, and then all of a sudden it just comes together and there's a little bit of jive to it. And you're like, okay, that's I can run with that. It's it's got a thing, and yeah. it, the thing seems to sit with the song. So for every one of those that I finished, I throw away three of them probably at least. Where it's like, no, ah, that, that's stupid looking. Like I had on the ten and two record there was a song called unfound which essentially means lost and i had a Slee stack land of the lost cover that was the original cover for it and i ended up ditching that and doing a whole different thing for it oh but yeah i, I like because i was like nobody's going to get the Slee stack thing yeah. so but uh i thought you'd use that yeah it's turned up it's turned up other places but sometimes they just they end up looking they're almost cheesy too hokey, so I, I ditch them.
2: <laughs> Going through some of the tracks, like through some of those notes that you had in the press kit, there was something where it was like you said Kenny wanted to play a glockenspiel, or he wanted to play it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it made me think like the last album, like you played electric sitar. So, are there just weird instruments laying around his studio?
0: No, I mean yeah, there are some things, a few odd things. um that we've utilized over the years i mean sometimes we just use them for sound effects just banging on things and then turning it around backwards or doing weird stuff like but he's got a lot of cool percussion uh there's a you know he's got a a drum kit and some various you know accoutrement that go with with that that can be utilized and then kenny's got a whole boatload of weird percussion stuff that he brings in and some even some weird guitars but michael had that electric sitar and i've always wanted to to use That on something, but it's you know that that's not something you can just shoehorn into any song. It has to the song has to have that Eastern kind of yeah. flair to it, or at least a riff that's a that's in an open enough tuning that sounds like. And it, it was perfect for that song. So yeah, man. I mean, anytime we can stick something in there where it makes you scratch your head and wonder what it is, I, I like doing stuff like that. You know, I do I do a lot with like synthesizer stuff too, where you're not even sure if you're hearing an instrument. It's just a tone or a or a frequency that kind of rumbles underneath things. Yeah. That you can't really identify. I stick that stuff in songs all the time just because it makes you kind of lean in a little bit and try and figure out what's happening. And I always like that on records, you know. There's still there's records from fifty years ago that I still haven't sorted out what's happening on them, you know. Huh.
2: I believe it was the song "Sleepwalker." You said you nixed or you kind of borrowed like a bass line from a, a '70s yeah. hit. Can you spell the beans on what that was? Because I'm no still man. You got to figure it so. out. I got it's
0: got it's got to hang out there till. Some, I mean, I, somebody. I've had one friend point out what they thought it was immediately, and they were correct. That was before I'd even said I had deliberately lifted this part. Oh. And first time I shared the song with him, he pointed out. That, that it reminds me of this i'm like good because that's exactly where i lifted that from so what's going to happen is you're going to be driving down the road and you're going to have the radio on on some classic rock station and this song probably gets played hundreds of times a day nationwide yeah. you're, you're going to hear the song and it's going to hit you and you're going to know trust me you're going to know it when you hear it it's a huge song you say i don't need you telling me that you will understand i don't
1: want you. Sympathy, religion on demand i' see a future in this life that you got planned.
2: I want to ask you some stuff too about the album too that's what I'm here for yeah well what I'm gonna ask you by each band member what's your favorite matt moment on the album either on the album or something maybe in the studio that you guys did or
0: my favorite map I love embers because he doesn't play on it
2: I knew you would say something like that with Matt.
0: <laughs> he has some really cool licks in "Strange Love," where he's really getting down on it. He's got some really cool parts in "Getting Out of Sight." The more rock and roll songs on this one, I felt like he really did the uh, he did that classic rock, you know, bass player playing with the fingers thing, and really dug in on a, on a couple of those. He worked up a really cool bass line for Stevie that him and Kenny put mm-hmm. together that was totally different than what I had on the demo. And it's super hip. The choruses are real cool. But I I think the one on parts on Strange Love and Getting Out of Sight were the two where he I feel like he really the Kenny songs, the more riffy type stuff. Not, you know, playing like way out of the box or anything. He mm-hmm. just really dug in and he's a little more free form in spots where he was just there were more licks and stuff happening that were cool and he doesn't do that a lot, you know? It's cool to hear it. <laughs>
1: Like you said,
2: like a super like rocking album. Like I think, like you said, with that one guy that I mentioned earlier, like "Off the Air." It's like a quick hitter. Like it just hits you, boom, and it doesn't let up really.
0: Well, I told somebody this the other day, but I don't really like albums anymore. I mean, I like buying albums that are long, but to make albums, I think ten songs is kind of like the max. I mean, I know everybody's all about the EP or whatever now, saying you should just do EPs and single stuff, but I still like albums. It just seems to me you get. It's more of an experience than just you know piling singles on top of one another, but um, but ten songs, man, you can really do a cool arc in ten songs. You can yeah. get somewhere and, and back in ten songs, and without like wearing somebody down. And if yeah. you can make it interesting enough, as far as the flow of it goes, that ten songs can fly by. And I really wanted it to be. It's hard to sequence it sometimes. I mean, we had fifty songs for this record at least, so it was tough to get it down to those. Ten, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. There are songs that I really wish were on there, but especially when you're doing vinyl because the limitations of the format, lengthwise.
2: Yeah. Unless
0: you're gonna do a gatefold double LP set, in which case the CD would have just come wrapped in some uh, cellophane because that's all we would have had left over budget-wise, <laughs> with no cover. You just, you have to make there's concessions there, you know, that have to be made. So. And I'm glad you did get it that way because it was tough getting two ballads on it. That was the hardest part of making two ballads sit inside of 10 songs when the other eight songs were all pretty much up-tempo rock songs. It was not easy. And I still don't know if we nailed it on the head. Um, you
2: did, yeah, yeah.
0: I lobbied it in the 11th hour. I lobbied to remove the ballads. I wanted to get rid of them and put two more rock songs on. And no one was having it. So I will take full responsibility. Although... I did try to change the course of this by taking them out, but it was that was the biggest struggle. Was how do you get? You can't put them back to back, you know. So they so they've got to sit in between all these rock songs. That was the trickiest part, I think.
2: Um, You just uh, triggered a thought in my head that like about the quick hitter or or like the ten tracks because. I don't know if we've talked about this before or even I've meant to mention it to somebody, but I think it was like, yeah, all the albums in the 70s, 80s, whatever, you know, they were on vinyl. So they had that limitation of like the 20 some minutes. And I feel like CDs at some point, they almost got too like bloated or something like because they they had all this space. So then they feel
0: There's business involved in that too. You only, and I don't even know, I've never really understood this, but you only get paid for 10 songs. If If there's that was always the way it worked. And I would have to look it up and see why, how exactly that works, but you only get paid for 10 songs. The first album I can ever and I'm talking vinyl. I remember my buddy, Tim in high school, probably junior high, I guess would have been, yeah, maybe high school bought hysteria and it was 12 songs, but it all fit on there. And I guess it's deaf leopard. Those songs are so compact that you can get six songs to a side on, but it was the, and they even, I seem to remember the sticker even touted that as like, you know even more music and there was 12 songs that was so uncommon a lot of albums had eight songs or nine songs you know huge huge records but 10 was always the max and then somewhere down the line i learned that that was all they paid you for like the record company only paid you for 10 you were given your compensation or your publishing was based on 10 songs. I I don't know the fine points of that or how that actually shakes out, but yeah. But then CDs, I mean, CDs have a limit too. obviously you can only get 80 minutes on a CD and it used to be less, I think, but still far more than you can get. It's not 20 minutes aside. Like it used to be where you can only get 40 minutes on a, on an LP. It was 78 minutes or whatever on a CD. So yeah, you could almost double what you could cram on there. And they did get kind of, there's some albums that, I really love that are seven songs too long, you know, at that's the, at the artist's discretion or the label's discretion or the A&R guy, whoever makes those decisions. I just feel like a lot of unnecessary shit ended up on CDs that, you know, would have just as well, you know, better served as a B side kind of thing, you know, because it was still at value. Just sometimes it, that flow I'm talking about is interrupted by these, you know, sometimes there'd be two songs that sound too much alike or something like you know, can one of those? You know, get get rid of one of those songs. You got, you already have a song that does that on the album. Yeah,
2: one that pops in my head as a good example is like uh, not to go too far down the Kiss rabbit hole, but "Hot in the Shade." I don't know. I know mm. that's Gene and Paul, but if they like didn't each have like eight songs or something, and just trimmed it down to the ten or the even that's twelve,
0: a, it would be like a way example. better album. Isn't that like fifteen songs on that? album? Yeah, yeah. I remember getting that on cassette. Why is it when we have conversations you say member? I remember, I just don't need to say, I just dropped the RE, I sound like those little member berries things on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember getting that though, going into a Sam Goody and buying that on cassette and being blown away. I was like so stoked because it had all these extra songs. And then most of them weren't even good. You know, it got its share of hits on it and everything. And it was a cool, great tour, like awesome tour. But that record's half limp, you know, yeah. it, and it is, that is a perfect example of you don't have to utilize every inch of that real estate. You know, it's just not, it's not necessary. If you don't have enough good stuff to put out, wait until you do. <laughs> if you've got too much good stuff. Save it for next time, man. Yeah. You know, it, but it, you don't have to cram a bunch of bullshit in the sock. You know, just like, it's fine. Just the foot, just put, just the foot in there. That's all that's supposed to go in there anyway. You know, <laughs> I don't under, I don't understand why people feel the need to put this extra crap that doesn't belong. I mean, and that's, Again, that's all subjective. And back then, there were A&R people that were telling them that, yeah, man, you know, I don't know. But whoever was doing AR on that record was asleep at the wheel because there's at least six or seven songs that are just not up to snuff. Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> so then, going down the list, then, what is your favorite
0: Kenny moment on the album? That's a tough one, man. I think just his vocal on Stevie which apparently everybody thinks is me. I keep getting these, like, man, you sound great on that. It's like, well, it's because it's not me. That's why it sounds so much better. <laughs> but but because he did a whole different side of him, you know, he did this completely non-gritty rock and roll thing. He did more of a Steve Perry kind of thing to yeah. it. And that was just a side of his voice. I mean, I've heard him sing covers and stuff before that were kind of in that vein, but I've never heard him turn in a performance like that on one of our records, and it was cool. Also, it was just cool to hear him sing one of my songs, you know, and mm-hmm. do it. Put his thing on it. So I would say that, man, he really, he really dug in on that one and, and did something unique. He kills it on getting out of sight too because initially when I heard the demo, I was like, I, I'm not even sure if this is done yet. And then, you know, once he, he had a whole idea of how that was going to come together and obviously he heard it all in his head and then when it was done, it like, oh, okay, well, fuck me. I guess I wasn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention to the schematic or something because when <laughs> all the parts were, in place it was great so
2: yeah what's the what's the one is it strange love you did the is that the one where you guys both like trade off too because then you did the one yeah or... we,
0: we did the single version that was on the little ep that came out yeah last year and that's all me on the lead vocal end of things but we tried we, we actually tried it both ways where he's saying the whole thing and then we did it where it's now we kind of split the difference he comes in he takes over the courses and he comes in on a few of the pre-chorus lines ahead of the courses and winds up to them. And it's a full-on, you know, Gene and Paul style trade-off yeah. vocal thing, which I like doing those, man. We don't do them as often. So, and again, we get people like, I don't know how people can't tell our voices apart. They just don't know that we're not the same person or can't differentiate the two tones or as uh, Justin Hawkins would say, timbre. Artumbra, however he says it. <laughs> yeah, I but um I, do it, the... it's 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 obvious as night and day, but um yeah. a lot of people can't tell, but yeah, so he comes in on the pre-courses and then he does all the belted parts in the chorus, and I do the backup part with yeah. the guys on the on the hook line. So Hopefully we got the right recipe. I'm not really sure. I think
2: we did. I think it sounds cool because yeah, it's a little something different for those of us that have listened to the old version, I guess, or the Yeah, I mean
0: it, it had version? been out, it had been out for over a year by the time we got to this, and I thought, man, this is we need to sprinkle something on this to make it seem like a new song, it'd be cool. Because that was the one thing about this record that was weird for me, is like then we almost leaked half of it out over time before it came out. I was like, Man, we only have like four unheard songs on here. By the time we're done, you know, if we don't, if we don't, you know, because if you think about it over the moon, yeah. the, we've done that, Josh and I had done that with the Laramores project. So that had been for people that follow and keep up, that had been out there in the world. I mean a different version of it, but that had been out in the world. We had the When Love is the drug single, we had the Fever Break single, we had Strange Love Out there, uh the Christmas bonus track for the CD, the Christmas song. But, so like that's five songs that had already been existing in the wild ahead of time. And I just felt like if we could just do something to these to make them a little bit different, at least it feels like we're giving them their money's worth.
2: So then what's your favorite Corey moment on the album?
0: Oh man, he smoked on all this stuff, dude, but I got to say the solo in way past sundown is ripping. he had me come over when he was doing that because he was kind of struggling with he had like 10 different ideas that he was Trying to put together and he couldn't get the blend quite the way he wanted them but uh man dude by the time that thing was done and he sorted out an arrangement for it it was totally epic man it made that solo section so cool His Ace Frehley thing is on the love of the drug. That's a complete Ace Fraley guitar solo. And he's got some really cool, he's got some weird little bits that happen in certain songs too that are kind of like ambient parts, like especially the stuff in Run. A lot of that stuff that sounds like synthesizers and stuff is really his guitar. He's just got weird oh, effects. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff in that too. So yeah, he he, he surprised me because I, I know him as a rock guy, but he's, his chops are a lot broader than i was aware until we got into this he he really did some great stuff on it
2: speaking of like run and then even like sleepwalker it's like you've shared stuff to me in the past and i'm glad that you like held back on some of that stuff because i was like i was shocked by how how much some of that stuff rocks like you know it's like you said like i knew like half the album but then the other half i'm like
0: holy shit you know well i mean you got to keep some back pocket stuff man we can't you know that's what i'm saying I, i really felt like but, the, you know, the king was half undressed on this thing before it came out. You know, so yeah. we've got to get we've got to have something left to surprise people with it. I don't want to give too much of it away. And like I said, we could have gone. We had other tracks that were kind of they were in the running for the album, obviously, but they were in various stages of completion that we could have easily. And then there was some 11th hour stuff that came in. I was pretty hip on but we would have had to up in what we already had in motion and it would have set the thing back we were already it already took us too long to put it out so you know at a certain point you just have to stop yourself and be like look this is the these are the songs we're going to make these songs the 10 best versions of these songs we possibly can and all that other stuff is still there it's not you know it can get done another day it could be an ep or a single or a in this day and age, it doesn't matter how you deliver the stuff. You know, it can just come out out of nowhere, really. The options are, you know, so so vast anymore. But it's just hard, you know, when it's an album, that's like your statement. It's got to be perfect. And I, I obsess over that stuff. I know Kenny does, too. So if you have any inkling that it's not 100%, yeah. it'll drive you crazy, man. It's just like, man, it's just that one song shouldn't be there, but this other one should be that kind of stuff. That will nag at the back of your brain. I think we finally got over that hump. Once the song that you really wanted on there was officially removed from the pile and <laughs> placed in the other pile, it was like, okay, that's it. That's the hard line there. Andy's song got cut. We shall proceed. These are the 10.
2: Yeah, you know? but I mean, now hearing this stuff, like that song wouldn't fit
0: on that album. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. See, that was my thing. It's like, what if we take Embers and Over the Moon pull them off the record and we put that song in and one of these other songs. And then we just, and it's just a full on slamming rock record front to back. Nobody was having
2: it. Yeah. But that wouldn't fit. Like I'm saying that song, like I'm not going to name it, but uh, it wouldn't. <laughs> we'll name later. Wouldn't We're just going to call it Andy's song from yeah. now
0: on. I'm changing the name. So. <laughs> okay. Well,
2: it still wouldn't fit because here's, here's kind of what I was saying too, with that last thought. Like I'm not trying to say anything sucks on this album or anything's like good or bad or worse than the other, but on some albums, how bands release stuff in advance. Now people are releasing like four or five singles or something onto iTunes. And then sometimes those are like the only good songs on the album. So when you finally get to it, it's like, well, uh, this um, isn't really that good of an album as I thought, or it raises the bar, at least with you guys, you had as good stuff or a better up your sleeve. So...
0: Yeah, I, I know yeah. what you're saying, and I appreciate that, because I, I've had that, you know, man, you should have quit while you are ahead, thought about a couple things that have come out lately where I was really let down when the whole thing dropped. Yeah, because you're like that, me, we're going to overthink the whole waterfall it. release thing that I don't really care for. It's like I missed that. It was one thing to hear a single or two ahead of a record and then still be able to get it on release day and, you know, let it kind of wash over you kind of thing and really get into the record. But now, man, the, the thing that bums me out, and this is really petty, I guess, for, for some people, because a lot of people don't consume stuff the same way anymore. But if they put the first song of the, on the album out ahead of time, which is kind of how they, you know, iTunes encourages you to do that. Your pre-save or your, you know, yeah. Spotify, does it too. iTunes, Apple Music. Sorry, iTunes barely exists anymore. But that first song is out there. And then it's like, when I get the record, I've already heard that first song 50 times and i just want to skip the first song but sometimes you need that first song that's like the ignition on the car man yeah. that first song is what gets you to that second song and if you're inclined to skip it because you already heard it a bunch of times that whole experience of diving into the thing is just got shat on man and it's ruined and you don't so there's no i don't know how what the best solution that is that you just put the last song out first or one of the songs in the middle Whatever you do, that one song—I feel like the impact of that song is diminished as part of the record because it's been already been out in the in the wild too long or something. You're you're yeah. sick of it by then. You might be sick of it. But singles have been a thing for years. It's not like that's new. So there's something about that dropping three, four, five songs. I people swear by it, and that that's the the way to do things now. I just like being a dinosaur. I guess I don't know. There's something mm-hmm. about that getting it and truly immersing yourself in it and loving it as the body of work and not just a bunch of songs that happen to be on the same page, you know? I always come back to stuff like Purple Rain, where that is the most, I mean, even though that album is probably like 30 minutes, it's the most complete journey you could ever ask for, man. Like it's the whole, and it would be that way even if that movie didn't exist, I think. Like just the way that album is crafted that's all you need, man. I mean, that, but it's meant to be taken. Not that you couldn't pluck any single one of those songs out and be amazed by it and, and enjoy it, you know, as a standalone piece of work. But when you listen to that album front to back, you give that 40 minutes of your time, your whole day is made, man. It's like, that's, it's a thing, dude. It's like, it's an injection of something where it's like, that is a, how an album is supposed to be. And man, let's face it, people don't have, always have time to sit and listen to a whole, but, you know, that's my point was just make it, so that it, it'll fill up your commute in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're there and back, whatever it is to get. So that's your thing. But I still like albums. I don't even know how we got on the subject of, if this was even part of the question, but I just like doing it. Not I don't want it to feel like a collection. I want it to be a thing that all belong. It belongs together. It's not a bunch of things that just got chucked in the bucket. It's a gang that that gang is meant to be in that place, you know, yeah. and, and really nowhere else. I mean, you can pluck one them out and that guy can probably fight as well as, on his own, but it's as a gang, it does the job, you know what I mean? It's just got the thing. Run.
1: You won't let me
2: so. I think Andy's song is what got us down this rabbit hole. Yeah, Andy yeah, yeah song, Andy's song doesn't fit with, uh, with the Denny and Kenny songs.
0: Lost track.
2: Yeah. yeah. So then going back to the album itself, what is your personal favorite moment?
0: On the whole record? Yeah. Like I said, I really dug how Stevie came together. I mean, I like the songs a lot, all the songs. I don't know, man. I'm really proud of Embers just because it was a, to me, it was kind of a dark horse. I didn't I didn't really think it belonged you know everybody seemed into it it's one that's you know really close to the heart for me so that and i really love the way run turned out because that was one of those ones where it's like man my inner brandon flowers man i i, I just want to be in a band that sounds like you know the, the killers anyway so getting to do a song that has that kind of vibe to it in that production especially because the trick of that song is we cut it and it seemed a lot more i mean i i had already Produced it in my mind. And I'd put all the parts in the synthesizers and everything. But when Michael sent the first mix back and he'd done all that, you know, put the Michael magic dust on it. (laughs) I was Michael St. Leon, who I'm referring to our, our engineer, mixer, producer fellow. I was so blown away, man, especially after I listened to it in headphones, because there's just so much little stuff. Some of it I intended, but never verbalized in any way, shape or form. And he just got it and did the things to it that I was already hearing in my head and then added all this other stuff on top of it. So that one really blew me away. Other than that, man, just getting to the finish line was my favorite part of it probably cause I thought we never were going to. So if I had to break it down <laughs> to one thing, it was the fact that we actually finished it would be the, uh, my probably my favorite thing about it. I would say those are the two things that kind of caught me by surprise, at least that they shined as bright as they did.
2: He's like your Bo Hill.
0: He didn't have oh, just no one button. button, He has like, I've watched, he has like several different buttons that he pushes. It's not just <laughs> the one. It's, just, it's the St. Leon switch. It's yeah. not the Bohemel button. It's the St. Leon switch.
2: Here's something away from the album. I recently came across, I was going through some artwork I had in a box. Stuff I forgot about that my mom saved from high school. And so um, it was kind of cool to see some artwork that my mom saved from over 20 years ago. And so I was going to ask you, was your mom supportive of your art growing oh, up yeah.
0: or even yeah. later. My mom never threw anything away through, until she sold her house a few years ago. Every time I visited, I would find things that I couldn't believe that she still had. So, so yeah, man, I mean she bought my first guitar for me. You know, she got me piano lessons when I was 9 even though I didn't want them. She was at every, you know, every show she could be at, kind of thing. So yeah, she yeah, she's very very supportive. My dad uh not so much, but my mom my mom loved that stuff. I met mean, you know, I come from a, you know, her whole family played music. You know, my, my grandparents, uh, my great-grandparents, rather, had a, you know, family band that, that traveled and played on the radio and stuff. And my Uncle Dave was in a band. So that was the first, probably the first live band I ever saw was his cover band. But yeah, she, she totally was, man. She had every everything I ever put out. In fact, I used to, back in the day, they called it the poor man's copyright. If you didn't want to pay the 20 dollars to copyright your songs you just record them onto a cassette and you mail them to somebody so it was postmarked yeah, and, really? and they just, just tell them to keep the envelope sealed so she had these envelopes of tapes that i had sent her over the years <laughs> 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 poor man copyrighted my songs and she was the she was the keeper of all that stuff so yeah she's very supportive
2: oh awesome awesome <laughs> the poor man copyright <laughs> <laughs>
0: Most of those songs were in no danger of being stolen, yeah. so I'm not sure why I was so worried about it. But I was protecting them nonetheless.
2: Have you went through and listened to some of those? Like it'd be like a musical time capsule, kind of.
0: Uh, I I I didn't need to because I had my own copies of them. Those oh, were just okay. <laughs> so I, I knew I had plenty of uh, documents of the uh, or documentation of of the terrible songs. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Some of them were terrible. There were some that were okay, but there was a. a a thing happened in the 90s in the mid 90s i met a guy i'm not going to say who he was but he was a uh, you know had some hits and stuff he encouraged me to send him some demos everybody told me that he was a snake so make yeah. sure you before you do that you that stuff's all copyrighted. <laughs> and nothing ever came of it and he's still around and, and doing stuff but i i did i did that that was one of the packages that was in the box that i found was was that that batch of songs in particular and those I had totally forgotten about. So that was kind of, that was kind of
2: fun. Like, so we've talked about like movies before and like soundtracks. Like I know you like the warriors and that's got a soundtrack or streets yeah. of fire. Well, what's your favorite uh, movie soundtrack? Like not even from back then seventies, eighties, maybe even nineties. Oh, years. we've
0: already talked about it, man. Uh, Triple rain, but there's others. I mean, I love, and this is, you're going to laugh, but I love Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas soundtrack, I think, is brilliant.
2: I'm not going to laugh at that, man. I like that.
0: Paul Williams did that. How
2: much alike we
1: are. Perhaps we're long lost brothers. We even think the same. You know there may be others. We can always use a friend.
0: Other than just soundtracks, I like scores and stuff, like actual film scores. I still have tons of that stuff. You know, even weird stuff like Walter or Wendy Carlos, whatever that that I think he had a sex change. It's Wendy Carlos, but um, Clockwork Orange soundtrack and stuff like Uh that. I was way into that kind of stuff when I was younger and I still have a little bit, but I don't know, man. Streets of Fire is that's way up there, dude. That's that one's tough to beat. But I would say, I mean, Purple Rain trumps all. There's no you can't you can't outdo that one because that's just the perfect marriage of a that record. Like I said, is great with or without the film you don't need the, the film the fact that there is a movie that's that awesome too that it goes with <laughs> is like, then we got streets of fire on the other hand and you got that movie and diane lane i don't know if the diane lane hotness makes up for the songs not being quite as good as purple rain but so those are fairly evenly matched but I, i'm going to give that one to purple rain
2: all right Emmett <laughs>
0: Otter, we'll put emma it in three yeah so,
2: man the um what's that the a river bottom nightmare band. Yeah, the yeah. little thing swimming in the tank.
0: I love, I love that. That's that's a great. Well, it's also a great movie. We don't brush
1: our teeth cause our toothache can help us stain me We don't
0: whistle, but we hate what we don't understand. That's a first soundtrack.
2: I didn't know Paul Williams did that.
0: Yeah, he does. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's him. Yeah, I mean, most of that stuff is him. Most of that Muppets yeah. based, you know, all those films are. He does a lot of that stuff. But, and I also do. I do like um, just because I was a fan of the. But I love that Bugsy Malone movie when I was a kid too. And it had it was all like kind of a you know prohibition era stuff. But it was the little kids, the Pie Guns. You ever seen that movie before? No. I feel like Paul Williams might have had a hand in that too. Yeah, Scott Baio and Jodie Foster went it when they were real little. Huh. But they were all gangsters, but they were little kids. Oh, you got to look it up. I'll send you yeah. a link. I think you can watch it on YouTube. but uh,
2: um, I'll look it up. Cool. Well, since you mentioned Paul Williams, it's like I didn't really – I wasn't aware who that guy was until – I was talking to Mike Nichols at that um, Shane's party, yeah. and he was talking about Phantom of the Paradise. So I oh, went yeah. out and watched yeah. that movie, and he's the guy that's um, you know, the villain in there and he did the soundtrack well then now that i'm aware of who paul williams is it was like i think he was in like a planet of the Apes sequel he was in like the uh smoking the bandit yeah
0: yeah there's a great documentary about him that was on netflix that i saw um it's real interesting man he's still i mean he's still active and still doing stuff and he plays live but he had a really interesting his career arc has been real strange but when they start Mm -hmm. to break down his resume it is so massive that all I could think when I'm watching it and they're talking about how he kind of fell on some, not really, yeah, he kind of fell on hard times. It's like, how is that possible? Your mailbox money should be able to pay for this block of houses. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> he should still be making. It. So I don't know how that all shook out, but it's, it's, if you can find that and watch it, it's, it's huh. worth checking out, man. He's he's a very interesting character. Kind of the melodies and hooks that he created, man, are so I feel like they're underappreciated, man, because people just think, ah, oh, it's a silly show-tune type movie yeah. set, but that stuff is intricate. It's great. It's And it's so well-crafted for the films that it's in. It's really hard to shake a stick at, but he doesn't... I don't know that he ever had... I guess he did have some pop success, but I'm the exact opposite of you. I knew him as... What's, what was his name? Little Little Enos or whatever in the Smokey and the Bandit Yeah, movie. yeah. <laughs> He was hilarious in that. And that I knew him. I didn't realize that was the same guy for... It was probably thirty years before I made the connection that was the was the guy. Yeah,
2: he so. should have had money rolling in because even like the uh, Stars Born, I think he did the big song from that, the Barbra Streisand. Well, movie. I am saying he
0: had multiple hit. I mean, I'm talking when I say multiple, I mean dozens and dozens of hits and mm-hmm. and things for uh, different artists in addition to his own stuff. And he's doing fine now. But it was one of those things where he just had a, you know how it is, man. You get these guys. It's like the Bee Gees story where they just one day aren't cool anymore yeah and so they weather a decade of being uncool or whatever until they can you know hit the circuit or or have a comeback or whatever it is you know, in his case i think he does like casinos and stuff now okay. but you know it was just it's just unusual to me or hard to fathom i guess would be better how you could have that many things attributed to your name on that many things <laughs> and have any trouble with money yeah. it's like there's, unless you were divorced 20 times or something. I'm not really sure how that could have gotten divvied up in a way that would not be beneficial to you, but you know, it does, it happens.
2: I always think like, how did this person not have money? But it's like, maybe they're accustomed to this lifestyle. And then That's like you're exactly. saying, like he's not getting like the big movie stuff anymore, but then he's still spending this amount. So it's like, yeah. I mean, a
0: lot of that, you see these bands too. I mean, you see it with, you know, if, if you have a touring operation and you have, you know, a dozen, 20, 30 people on your payroll, if you're a big enough band or whatever, more than that. And you're trying to keep those people working because that you want to keep your guys so that when you go out next, your guys ready to go. That's why some it's you know, you, you see people that tour all the time. And I, when I was a kid, I always thought, man, they must need money. It's not necessarily about needing money. It's about keeping everybody working because the crew doesn't make the kind of, they didn't get rich in the seventies. You know, they were they were getting paid. But so to keep those, that's, same army of people fed you got to work you know other side of that for the artist is that you know if you decide to not do that but like you said you've established a lifestyle for yourself you know you got taxes and you got cars and you got staff and you got you know some of those people stay on whether you're touring or not because they're doing your other stuff for you that's payroll every month you know so either you keep it simple and you don't live that lifestyle or you don't fool yourself into thinking it's going to last forever. Cause I've seen bands do that too, that think the hits are never going to stop. And then they stop six months after they started. <laughs> They've already bought houses and cars and married some chick that doesn't really care about them. She just knew because they're famous kind of thing. And then at all five years later, you see that guy on, you know, celebrity fit club or something or whatever it is, the soup du jour of, you know, reality TV no. <laughs> washed up musicians yeah. is that year. That never happened to me because I was never successful. So I don't have to worry about it.
2: It sounds like what that Josh Ketchmark thing. He's like flying comfortably under the
0: radar. It's a tough thing to turn a profit on, so you better love it. That's the only reason to do it at this point. You know, certainly not making any of us rich. If anything, it's contributing to my financial demise most years. But um, but I just love you know doing it, uh, and I like the idea of getting in a room and turning the amps on and throwing down for a few hours, you know, that that still does it for me. Let me. All I know is I just like writing songs and making records. If I could do that every day for the rest of my life, I'd be perfectly happy whether I got paid or not. As long as I got, you know, a roof over my head, I'm good. Well, this next
2: question I'd written down a while ago, and it kind of sounds like a good segue or a good way to bring it up now. But when is the last time you felt excited or inspired?
0: That's a tough one to answer, just because weird things inspire me. You know, mm-hmm. I, it, I could be taking my trash out in the morning and just I see a fucking blue jay or something, and that's the thing that sets me on the path of the day. That's the I just needed one thing that was interesting to occur in the you know in my morning or I you know there's it could be anything man. it could be a song it could be a, a, a poem I read it could be a something I read in the paper and an interesting news story as far as getting excited about stuff it's almost always a song being inspired generally is one of those things where you sit down and you accidentally noodle something or you write a phrase or something pops into your head that to me that's inspiration but being like excited at the same time man I'll be honest this is going to be weird. It's going to sound really weird, but that I saw the new Lenny Kravitz video the other night. Trust me, it wasn't his, his ass crack that got made me excited. I just liked the song because if I closed my eyes, it was like a new Prince song. Yeah. Take Lenny's full ass out of the picture and all the gyrating and the hump in the stairs in his leather pants away. The song was great, and it felt like something that would have fallen off the gold experience, and, and that got my blood pressure up. I was like, man, that's that is fucking cool, man. That was a cool song. And then I saw people on the Metal Sludge Gossip Board shitting on it. And I thought, you shitheads have no idea what you're missing. <laughs> Everybody's all up in arms about Lenny's butt crack being out there. It's like, just get past the butt crack, man. Listen to the song. That's a deep groove. It's great. It's awesome. So man. I mean, anything.
2: I haven't yeah. even listened to it yet. I should check it out. Awesome.
0: TK421. It's fantastic,
2: especially since you said the Gold Experience. I like that album.
0: It sounds like there's a song that's not on the Gold Experience. It ended up on the uh, Crystal Ball thing, but it was I think it was part of the Gold album sessions called Days of Wild,
2: Hmm. and
0: it's one of my favorite Prince songs ever. Like ever, it's great.
2: Days of Wild. I'm gonna write that down.
0: It's fantastic, dude, and it's on. There's a lot really good live from Paisley Park, Pro Shop video, and he he plays that amongst all of the gold stuff. That's what makes me think it's from that, definitely from that era, but it seems like it was intended for that record. It's an amazing song, but that Kravitz song has shades of that. It reminds me of like that song. It has that same kind of vibe to it. It's really cool. And I know this is not where your question was going, but yeah, just things like that, man, where it's like that, when you hear a song like that and you see a guy that is 59 years old that is still throwing down and making cool art and not giving a shit, walking around with his ass out like that and doing it and being cool in the process, that's inspiring to me because you can. there's still stuff to be done. There are still interesting things to be written and things to be said and thoughts to be had. It's not... It hasn't all been done. You know? Yeah, there's only so many chords and there's only so many notes and you can only stream together in so many sequences, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. There's still combinations of all of that that you can come up with that are going to be cool and no one's ever done them the way you've done them so mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is inspiring to me and exciting so there's the long answer to the much more concise question So well,
2: boom that almost sounds like a mic drop there we might as well hit
0: <laughs> stop
1: this, this is what start to wonder how much
0: you can really take. When do
2: you feel most at peace?
0: Most at peace? Whenever I'm at the beach, man. Something about being by the ocean does it for me. I don't know what it is. It's just that that feeling. There's a, there's a thing that happens. And it doesn't happen enough, often enough for me. But that's that'd be it for me. You know, sunrise on a shoreline, man. That That, that does it every time. Yeah. Yep.
2: it's just cuz you're far away from your worries or anything you're just hanging out. No, it's just like, something
0: about it just that makes you just realize how small you are, man. You're looking off into I mean you see the curve of the earth, man. It's yeah. just the, this thing where you're just like, man, this is so huge, like, you know, cuz I didn't grow up around that and it wasn't, you know, I was born in, in California but and you know until I, I didn't see the ocean again for for years, you know. So but you know every time we go that's that's the thing for me I, I like to to get up and walk down and, and watch the sun come up in the morning man it's just a, I don't know what it is man it's just right. a trip to florida or something but yeah that that does it for me other than that walking my dog man i am walking <laughs> my dog that you know until we encounter another dog and she loses her mind and it turns into a whole thing but <laughs> that's i get most of my thinking done in the morning when i'm walking the dog
2: i would agree it's probably like when i'm out in nature uh, too either that's why i like going to phoenix to visit my aunt and uncle because it's not always just about the alice cooper thing i go to yeah i like hiking out there something about the air out there and the um sun it just it just feels different than being out here in the summer
0: flip side of that is i like really love walking through casinos because it's all the random noise i don't notice my tonight as my ears ringing as bad because there's all this other stuff it's like all the stimuli it's almost like you're just Floating through it it's like there's so much it's like walking or walking through like a carnival or something where there's just like that there's just that a hum and it's, it's but it's a crazy hum of all kinds <laughs> of stuff happening at the same time it, that brings me peace too what probably drives most people crazy but i like it because it drowns out the stuff that's always there you know what i mean because wow. you it's like it gives my brain something else to bounce off of it's, it's weird but yeah I, I do like that too
2: huh interesting interesting man i never thought of that yeah it's a thing because
0: you know when you wake up and it's quiet and that's all you can hear is the you know that it's quiet but it's not quiet in your ears it's like oh god this is i'm gonna have this my whole life it's gonna always (laughs) feel like this every morning until i just stop hearing altogether and then i guess i won't hear that i don't know how that works but uh but yeah it's it's that you know so there's a there's a weird comfort in that racket like they're just being racket and stuff I like it. What does that sound like to you
2: then? Like, Is that the sound like after a concert where you're laying there and it almost sounds like you got crickets in your ears? Is that like the sound you get from tonight? Or it's like to me,
0: mine is at the level now where it's like, you know how in a movie there's a a bomb goes off and the person is momentarily stunned and there's that little whistling sound? Yeah. It's like that, but all the time. Oh, damn. And it's it's for me, mine for whatever reason is made worse by proximity to certain devices and stuff. It kind of amps it up for some reason. I don't really know why. So like when I turn my computer on in the morning or like if I hear the motor humming, the fan or something in my computer, it drives me crazy. Like it's a whole different Mm -hmm. sound. So there's little things that trigger it. Sometimes my dog will be asleep and I'll forget she's in the room and she'll hear somebody walk by outside and she'll jump up and bark like out of nowhere and it's like a bomb went off man like it's that it's like, oh and then it just stay like it pops it up another level right there and it stays there for better power wow. so yeah. it, it's it, so there's things that like and that may be why the beach is soothing to me too because there's that white noise of yeah. the and stuff kind of brings all that down it dulls it somehow so it's wow. a it's a little bit it's kind of soothing i guess I don't know. I'm not really sure what, if there's any, uh, there's probably some kind of a uh, technical term for that. What, you know, why I want that. Like, you know, it's like some kind of weird security blanket, but it works. I don't know. It's a trip. Also, I like free drinks and gambling so that <laughs> part of what's going on with like my, I've got the, the tinnitus thing is only one part of my problem. There's hearing loss. It goes with it too. So, but I have this developed this thing over the last few years where if I'm sitting at a table with three other people and we're having a conversation, I'm going to hear the conversations at every table around me before I can hear what they're saying. So, and I, I, it's a thing and I've, it's, I've heard other people talk about it. So sometimes that chaos is not good, but if if I, if I'm not trying to carry on a conversation with somebody, it's awesome. Like, it's just that I just don't notice it at all. But when I'm not, when I'm having a conversation, it's like, I don't notice the tinnitus. I just notice the, And I have to really read lips sometimes, like to keep up with what's going on in a you know in that environment. So that is kind of a drag, and it's on me, man. I didn't wear earplugs and didn't do I didn't do the things I should have. You know, I do that thing where I go and stand right in front of the drum kit and get my you know face ripped off because I think it's fun. So.
2: I don't have it nearly, like, that bad, but, like, I noticed I have some kind of hearing loss because working at, like, I worked at a printing company for a while. The press is running all night. Yeah, for sure. And then even loud noise at the body shop I was at, everybody using their little, like, drilling shit. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I used to, I mean, I used to never really get too phased by anything, like, volume-wise. Like, I could stand in front of my amp and dial it in and and just let it just absolutely almost knocked me down you could feel the air moving off the speakers kind of thing and now it's like i know if, if the sound makes me flinch or blink or something it's too damn loud and so i'm really careful about it and plus we wear you know we're on in-ear monitors now yeah. but even those you run the risk of like i could just turn these keep turning these up man man it sounds cool when you turn them up just like headphones <laughs> the guitar sounds so cool but you're totally defeating the purpose of Using them at that point, so I've tried to be better about it. But it's just, you know, it's just years. So it's just like tread on a tire, man. You know, they don't last forever. You keep doing burnouts on them. They're gonna, you know, <laughs> gonna do it sooner or later. Yeah. And there's the dog. All right. Well, have a good I'll talk to you later, later on. on. All, All right, right. See you.
2: Huge thank you to Denny Smith for joining me for episode 138 of A Sides. We got a little distracted at the end and then Denny took a phone call, so we had to kind of jump off abruptly. But thank you for listening to this awesome episode as we dove into The Great Affair's new album, Sleepwalker. Got a little bit into the stories behind the album, some awesome performances on the album from the guys in the band, as well as some interesting soundtrack choices like Paul Williams. If you would like to follow The Great Affair's, visit DennySmithMusic.com, and you can also stream The Great Affair's music wherever you stream music, whether it's Apple or Spotify. Thanks to Denny and thanks to everyone else for listening to A-Sides.
1: Close your eyes and dream love You're something for the pain If it's time and sleep, love There's nothing to explain Cause lately I can see that you're tired. It's killing me to watch you fade away. I wanna pull you close, but it isn't fair me asking you to stay. This is how it feels to love, this is what it means to hurt. How you break a heart and devastate a universe This is where it's come apart To pick yourself up from the dirt And this is who I am without you, girl There's a light, sweet love that shines above the rain Though the dark is deep love You're safe aboard that train You're swinging like a bird on a wire I swear that I can hear you right now I don't believe in ghosts But what if I could see you somehow How it feels to love, this is what it means to hurt This is how you break a heart and devastate a universe This is where it's come apart Or pick yourself up from the dirt